Well, hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Forever Blue podcast, which of course is a podcast which is dedicated to all things Manchester City. Although we will talk about other clubs, I've no doubt, and other competitions as well. And the Premier League, we'll be talking about the FA Cup, for example, and the Carabao Cup. Um, and before I go any further, my name is Ian Cheeseman, and this podcast is sponsored by Howard Solicitors, who have offices throughout Greater Manchester and Cheshire. They specialise in areas of law that affect the individual. So it's likely that if you need some help or guidance, then they'll have somebody who can help you. Give them a call 0161 872 999 or email law at com, which is also their website, howardsolicitors.com. I'm indebted to them for their support. And I'm also indebted to uh, Mr. James Whitley, Jim Whitley, who is our special guest today. Um, a, a former City player, of course, and I've got to tell you, as a, as a man who watched him play every single minute of every single game, a very, very talented uh, footballer, but also, you may not know this, a great singer, a great artist, he's a man of many, many talents. So, um, is, is it James, by the way? Is, is it a show, or were you actually named Jim? No, it was Jim, Ian, and you've obviously been drinking too much, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Every word of what oh, yes, I, said, I just said is true. I mean, before I bring in the other <laughs> two, uh, for those who don't know, um, you are a very accomplished singer, aren't you? I, I try. I yes, I, I, I dabble in a few things, but yeah, I do. I, I travel length and breadth of the country and Europe singing, but that's yeah, it's, it fills a void, I think, and I, I'm still performing in front of a somewhat smaller audience, but. Um, yeah, we have a kickoff time as 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 we did when I played football and and you know various theatres. And I just find that it's I'm, I'm with the lads and it's time to appear on a stage in front of an audience and I I still get the same buzzer as I did uh, playing football. So it's definitely filled the void. Is it always the Rat Pack or do you actually sing as Jim Whitley? No, it's always the Rat Pack. There's another uh, show going around called The Crooners. But I do per- my own personal stuff that go around and 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 just adding a bit of ambience, I think, around the place. And and uh, you know, at the same time, it's a job <laughs> at the end of the day, and um, you 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 have to do what what's 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 needed. But I, I enjoy it. It feels like it's not a job, as 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 did football. That was never a job. That's just me going kicking people around the pitch. It's great. <laughs> but you surely don't need to work now, Jim. I mean, you must be a multi-millionaire from having played for Manchester City. I wish I was, Ian. You know that. I mean, the, the wages probably went uh, uh, as they are now, and I also probably missed the boat. And when I left in 2000, Kevin Keegan turned up. Kevin Keegan kind of changed everything at Manchester City, the, the, how you should think as a Manchester City player, and and brought in, well, he changed the training ground facilities, brought in ground heat, and just, just, just everything went up a scale. And so the money came in a... a quite a lot uh, when I left, which is, is a pity, but you know, I played for City, I would have played for nothing. Uh, it was it was just a great place to be at Main Road. Your car may get nicked while you're playing football, but that's part and parcel of, of being at Manchester City. So I, I loved it, but um, no, it's, it, it is what and it even is. Even better than that, you played with your brother. I mean, to actually be able to play in the team, in the squad and share that experience with your brother puts it on another level, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, we we spoke about this on numerous occasions with various people, and at, at the time, you just kind of take it for granted because you know nothing else, and and 
you you've grown up together, you've kicked the ball together, and next thing you're you're in a Manchester City team together, and next thing you're playing for Northern Ireland together, and it it was just kind of a given. And it's only when you look when you when you finish or come to the end of your career that you start talking about it and go, wow, this hasn't happened often with with we were lucky enough not only to break into a, a first team but it was Manchester City, massive club, and then also do it for internationally. So it's only when you finish, you look back and go, how, how lucky you were, because the odds on breaking through at any club is very high and you're so it, very low rather to get into a team. So we were lucky and, um, and, and did it the same period. So it made it equally brilliant because we can talk about it now with anyone, to fans, both of us can talk about it. And it's always a lovely thing to, to discuss, but we, we took it for granted, but uh, I look back as a, a very lucky man. And for anybody who's listening to this, who's now thinking, who's Jim Whitley's brother, Jeff Whitley, uh, another another <laughs> player who I love watching, and I've spent quite a bit of time with in various different positions, and I hope we'll see him again soon. Maybe we'll get him on the podcast. Um, but you're also an artist. I mean, it's a pity that this is audio, but, um, mm. you know, because we could show people one of your your paintings, but you're, you're a very talented man, aren't you? Yeah, well, I, I like I say, I try my best, but the artwork I'd probably say right now, I'm 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 not bad at the art. I'll have to say it's just a very lonely existence doing artwork. I did it as my levels, and um, I worked on something called Curoscuro art, which is um, uh, 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 light and dark, very dramatic light that comes in. So that's what I worked on, and I, I just I found out that I was quite good at, at doing portraiture, and it, it just got more and more real as I as I got better. So. The, I, I've, I've, my first portrait I did was of Tony Buck. You know, all these wrinkles that he had, all Tony, it, it, with the sunlight coming in, I had this great picture and I thought, this is fantastic. And I did a portrait and he, I sold it to him. And I've kind of done that. It's running parallel with my football ever since. And I still do it now. And um, it, it's, it's a, I've got better and better at it. And um, But like I said, it's just very lonely. I'm used to team members. I'm used to being with the lads and used to, you know, performing in front of crowds. So when I, uh, when I do this on my own, the, the joy I get is right at the end when I present it to whoever it is and they go, wow, that, that I get, I get a buzz out of that. And um, uh, so, yeah, it is, it's, it's another, it's another bow. And I, but I, I am quite good at that. Um, but I, it's just something I like to do. I suggest, by the way, now you're listening to this, Google Jim Whitley and you'll probably find some of the art and you'll see just how good he is. Um, in very general terms, before we talk about things specific, what, what are you making? Because I know you see City a lot. What, what are you making of, of the Manchester City of 2023 and obviously what we saw in the first half of the season? How does this compare perhaps to last season and, and how do you feel Pep's club and team is progressing? Well, first and foremost, I, I just just watching Manchester City in general is 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 a joy. I, I'm I'm I know I'm biased, but I think there's a lot of football fans and pundits around the country that can probably say the same thing. They play the most exquisite bit of football, almost perfection at times. Um, uh, it's quite incredible to say that I was part of this at some point because they're so good at the moment. They, they really are. They, they, I just think collectively as a team right now, they're, they're probably stronger, I think, than, than as these years were going by. I think individually, look, looking back at the last few years, they probably had better teams, but I think collectively they, they, they're, they're quite solid. They're now, I've got the pep way built into their system. The only frustrating thing I find now is 
more and more teams are, are parking the bus. Right? It's getting harder and harder for, for City to break. I, I did the commentary, like I think as you know, Ian, for the Everton game. I just came away so frustrated watching it, just thinking, God. And then, and you know, the Everton, this is no due respect to Everton. They, they, it was like they won an FA Cup game. And I was like, this is how teams, they bring the A game and it's, it, it's becoming harder and harder. And uh, I think Pep's now tinkering the slightly different system, trying things um, slightly different in a, in a, in a bid to, because he knows, he knows. And as a manager, if you're playing against Manchester City, you, you look back at, over the years at what's worked against Manchester City. And, and what has worked is parking the bus and trying to hit them on the brakes. The only way you can go against Manchester City to go to go to very difficult. The likes of Liverpool can, Real Madrid's, but um, so, so this is what I find very frustrating. And, and I think we may talk about this as, as Pep does tinker, and I think he will tinker a little more to try and counter this and, and find another way to... To, to beat opponents. You know, back in the day, and I think the guys watching this will know that you'd have your plan A, but you'd also have your plan B, a big guy coming on or a quickster coming on. Man City don't really have this. They have your, your pawn for pawn. They switch player for player and he keeps going with the same thing. And I just think right now he is trying to, to, to change things slightly in his formation and, and ways in that, that they play. But still, they are just a juggernaut of a team to watch right now. Very interesting what you say there, Jim. I'll bring the other two in now and we'll we'll talk about uh, the, the more specifics of it. And just to explain, by the way, um, I know that, Jim, you weren't able to properly watch the first half yes. of the game today because you were travelling at the time. Um, mm. But I know you've watched a, a lot of football. We're not going to grill you on that first half, <laughs> so don't mm. worry. Um, but the other two who are with me tonight, which are Amy, one of our regular Forever Blue uh, podcasters, and Tony, um, you saw the game. Let's start with you, Amy. You were in the South Stand watching the match. What, what did you make of it? And, and obviously, Jim's just mentioned the frustrations of the Everton game, but there's been the Chelsea game down at Stamford Bridge since then, and then this emphatic 4-0 victory today. Uh, can you explain, have you, have you any thoughts on why things can be so different in three different games like that? I think sometimes we, we don't take the chances we're given. Um... So like we'll we'll take a shot and then it'll just either you know it'll go elsewhere or whatever. Um, today the team seemed more focused. Um, felt they like they knew the job and the task in hand. Um, you know, and I think I felt I thought Chelsea might have come at us a bit more because I thought that you know they're not going to want to lose again. Um, but obviously not. Um, and it felt like it felt like quite an easy game. Um, I mean, I was sat in a different position today, so I was more I was more near the goal. I was more because normally I'm high up, but Chelsea fans got there, um, so I was more on the lower. So I had a probably a not as not as good like where I could see as well, like towards the second half. Um, but yeah, I just felt it was a lot stronger, and we just seemed more focused. Um, Probably having a different team out as well, maybe if you know a few of the other players maybe that needed a rest were able to sit out um and we didn't need to bring them on. Um but yeah, I felt we was a lot more focused today. I think the other matches we've just we've just not seemed bothered or you know, I don't have tiredness, lack of fitness, I don't know, but this this game seems to be a lot better and we seem to be more focused and ready for the match. 
You think that had anything to do with fresher legs, Amy? Because he, I mean, obviously brought in Cole Palmer and you know Sergio Gomez. I mean, there were players that were different. Do you think freshness made a difference today? Yeah, I think sometimes we're relying on on the older statesmen, should I say? Um, and some I've said it before, and you know, and I'll probably get slagged off for it. Sometimes I think Kevin needs to sit things out. You know, sometimes people don't. I always say people don't see the bad things that he does because he's so good at other things. Um, but he does make he does make mistakes. Um, you know, and it was nice to not have to rely on Ireland as well. You know, that sometimes I think that's a reliant on him as well. That you know, and he misses sitters like many other players do. Um, but yeah, I do think fresher legs and a, a different team perspective really helped today. There's going to be a subject I'm going to introduce and maybe Tony will do it anyway. I'm not going to tell him what that subject is, but uh, there is a subject I want to discuss, which is, well, I won't say what it is, otherwise Tony will nick my idea. So Tony, just give us your overall verdict, first of all, on what you've seen and how it compares to where City were in the last two games, for example. Yeah, I, I think um, uh, the Everton game, um, uh, from what I could see, the Everton game was that Everton, uh, as, as Jim had quite rightly said, they obviously sat behind the ball. They were looking for, obviously, the you know the, the quick counter-attack. But I think also what they did as well is they got amongst us. They got amongst us. They started leaving foot in there because I think they've identified that if they can get on the wrong side, if they can rouse someone like Harland up, because he is likely to uh, to go off, and I think Godfrey uh, in the Everton game that did that really well. And it just riles him and it took him off his game. So I think that was part of the ploy of the Everton game. And I think that every now and again, we get these games where they are a bit of a trudge and you've just got to kind of match the team that you're in there and then you can go and play your football. And we just just didn't quite get there in that game. Um, then obviously onto the uh, Chelsea game away. Um, always a tough place going to Stamford Bridge anyway. I think that the side that Chelsea put out in that particular game there, um, man for man, is not as good as our team anyway. But I still think they had enough people on there from the Chelsea perspective to actually give us more of a game than they did. Um, the more difficult thing from ourselves point of view, from what I could see as well, uh, which didn't transpire in the, in the game today, was that we were fairly predictable. And I think Jim alluded to that as they'll, this plan A. And if you if you take it back, uh, Pep doesn't or hasn't played um, with uh, a number nine for, for, for a long period of time. But the question has been asked of him, will you play Alvarez and Haaland at the same time? And I think he's alluded to saying, basically, I, I've played so many times with a false number nine. So to actually fit two in, I'm only just sort of getting used to one. And I think that's been a different difference in the team. Now, today we had Alvarez in there. And basically, he kind of was, to a similar extent, like a false nine because he wasn't naturally going down the middle. He was he was operating on both sides. Other players were obviously focused in. And I thought we looked a lot more fluid today. Take that back as well from the actual Chelsea team today. I think it was basically uh, men v boys anyway. I think that they'd made that many changes that their changes that they were making was was never going to be any uh, matching what, what we'd got. Um, so I think that what the tactic today was to get them early goals. Fortunately, we got them early goals. And I think then really it was pretty much a, a, a kind of a stroll in the park after that. 
Well, the question I wanted to bring in was something, obviously, if you watch the match day vlogs that I do, which are on YouTube, um, you'll see, you know, the array of guests that I have, including Jim from time to time, which, I, you know, thanks for doing that, Jim. Um, at this today, I spoke to Mikel Bischoff, who was a defender who used to play yeah. for City. And um, after the game, one of my contributors said something along the lines of, um, you know, dare I say, you know, that the fact that Haaland wasn't playing today meant we were a little bit more flexible, you know, and we were a bit more of a threat all over the field. Now, nobody, including Mikel, including the contributor, wants to say or would say we don't want Haaland. Of course, he's a phenomenal no. striker, but I get that too. And I've said constantly yep. on the uh, the podcast this year that, um, I actually loved the way we played last season. We're talking fractions here. I mean, City yeah. brilliant anyway, but I actually thought they were better last season because it was unpredictable for the toughest of our opponents to work out what we were going to do. If this season, you know that if you can stop Kevin, not entirely, it's not as black and white as this, but if you can prevent the, the ball from Kevin De Bruyne, if you can, you know, rough up or, as you said, Tony, sort of, get Haaland going a bit and get, lose his focus a bit. If you can get yeah. rid of those two as, as the big threat that they are, the variation isn't isn't as strong as it once was. Whereas today, without them two in the team, suddenly the threat was coming from everywhere. Mares was allowed to, to run loose. I thought he played really, really well. I thought he was City's best player. He, he seemed to drift in more into the middle. He seemed yeah. to have more confidence to me. Um, and, 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 and you thought, well... Who knows where the next goal is going to come from? It could come from anywhere. Whereas when Haaland's on there, the yeah. second De Bruyne gets the ball, my yeah. eyes immediately move to Haaland. And I think, oh, he's making the run. If, if he can find him now, this will be yeah. a goal. So I suppose my question, and let's, let's get Jim on this one to begin with, is, you know, when it comes to the tail end of the Champions League, I was going to say in the domestic cups, but we seem to be playing all the big clubs at the beginning of these cups. <laughs> so the latter stages of the domestic cups will be smaller teams by definition if we keep going. But in the latter stages of the Champions League and in the two games against Arsenal in the, in the Premier League and you know the big United in next week in the, in the Premier League, our City more of a threat without Haaland? But you wouldn't drop him, would you? Jim? <laughs> So interesting because I only saw something on Twitter last week where there was a debate about this, and I, I remember thinking, "Wow, dropping Harland." I mean, if, if, listening to you talk there, this the shades of—I'm I'm just thinking out loud here—shades of Ronaldo last season when he was top goal scorer for United, top goal scorer, and then now they're saying it's, it's better without him. And you're like, "Hang on, how's that work?" And I think I'm surprised how many games. Um, Haaland has played, actually. I thought he'd, he'd be rotated a lot more. Pep never sticks with the same team for long. You know, he does rotate regardless of how well he's played, regardless of whether he's scored a hat-trick or not. But I think his hand has been turned because Haaland has scored so many goals. He's almost thought, I, I, I have to stick with him. I'm not sure if that was his initial plan. But but now you're looking at it. I mean, what, one is he, he puts fear in defenders because he scored so many. So that causes a problem. But it's really interesting to hear you say that. <laughs> Without me, it's more fluid. And I think you just had, Pep always had the question, you haven't got a striker, you haven't got a striker. But Manchester City were so brilliant without a striker. And it's just Haaland's been so good. I just think he's had his hand turned. Look, time will tell 
by the end of the season as to as to whether he does it or not. Uh, Pep's got the option of dropping Haaland and Alvarez and bringing in all midfielders, which he, he still has that option, uh, which we may see in a Champions League. And, and at some point, I guarantee City fans will go, he's messed with the team again. We've played with Haaland all week. I, I don't know. It, and it is an option. He's not used it playing without a striker, but we all know Manchester City can. Um, but I'd be interested to see what, what Tony and Amy think about about this because they're week in, week out and know a hell of a lot more. So um, what, what, what do you think? Uh, well, I, I was kind of alluded to that and I didn't realise what, what you were going to say then, Ian, but uh, th th that fluidity was there today. I also think that Gomez makes a difference as well as a natural left-back. I think sometimes when you've got players that are in their natural positions as opposed to, you know, Cancelo playing at right-back or playing at left-back, I just think we look, we look solid from that point of view there as well. Um, but I like the way that uh, Foden played more down the middle today. He looked, he looked really good today. That looked more his, his position. I thought against Chelsea uh, in the other game there, he was too far out on the wide and he never really got, he never really got involved. Um, and he looks better when he's actually played down the middle and he can then take that option of going left and right. Um, I also think as well, and it sounds a bit uh, crass, I suppose, ultimately, is that our passing, although we do pass teams to death, I think when Haaland's in the side, I think we pass two, we pass three times, and then it's give it to Haaland, give it to Haaland. I think there's a there's a message in there, the team that says, right, look, because he's making them runs off the ball. I remember right back in the season, the preseason game there, he made quite a few runs against Liverpool in that in the uh, in the uh, the charity shield game, and he wasn't being found because we weren't used to playing that ball. And, and I think that if he's making them runs, I think there's that we need to find him. And so therefore, like Ian said and, and has been alluded to, it then goes out to uh, De Bruyne, who then obviously pays that, plays that final pass to Haaland. Whereas today, um, everybody was comfortable with the ball. There was no urgency in the sense that we had to get forward as quick as we can. We knew that there was, hope, there was going to be openings there and we worked them around together. And there wasn't that, uh, that focus as it would be normally with Haaland being there. That's just kind of what I saw today. Amy, I mean, none of us, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, would be on a podcast or, or wherever it might be, even if it was down the pub talking to your mates saying, got to drop Haaland. That is <laughs> not, absolutely not the conversation. I mean, the guy is a monster and, you know, he, he terrorises people. But it is a fascinating sort of way of looking at it. You know, I mean, you mentioned before, Jim, about, you know, having a sort of an alternative and City don't really have an alternative, which I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you. But now with yeah. Haaland, if you had Haaland on the bench, uh, perish the thought. I mean, I can't imagine I'm even <laughs> saying that that could be a possibility. Then you could, then you bring him on and my God, he could change the game. So Amy, yes. what, what's, your, what's your view of everything here with, with Haaland? I just, I just don't want us to be a Leicester where goalkeeper gets the ball and then he's kicked it to Vardy because Vardy's going to score. I don't want us to be that one under. I don't want us to be a you know a one-man thing. When we had Aguero, alright, he was our brilliant player and he was our scorer but everybody worked together you know, for him to score. Um, sometimes he did just go and do his own thing but 99.9% of the time, all the lads played together and I just don't want us to be 
you know, Kevin, you know, Edison kicks to Kevin and Kevin kicks to Ireland and then that's it. Oh, we've got a goal. I want, I like the excitement. I like the build up, and I, I don't want us to be a one-man band and I don't want us to be, you know, to where, oh, you, you're only good when Ireland's playing. I don't want that for us. And, you know, like I say, today was good because we did have that build up. We did have that excitement. Everyone was playing together. Everyone got a, got a bit of the ball um, but yeah, I don't want to be a Leicester and just you know it and hope and just like oh well, hey, our Ireland's got it, so he's gonna he's gonna score because he doesn't always score. So you know it needs to be fluid. It needs to you know you need the excitement, you need fluidity, and I just don't want us to be that one hit wonder. When Aguero was playing, you're right to highlight that, Amy. You know he 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 learned under Pep as well how to move and that front line and. You're in a good position. I mean, at Stamford Bridge, I was behind the goal. And, and I'll be honest with you, most of the time in my life and through choice, I would always watch, ideally, on the halfway line on one side. That's that's my... And obviously, I've spent many, many years in a commentary box doing that. But I was behind the, the, the ball, uh, behind the goal at, at Stamford Bridge. And when you watch the game behind the goal, you can see the sort of lateral mo- movement of the strikers far more clearly. And the one thing I've noticed about Harlem when I've been in that position is that um, he does tend to just plough a furrow up and down. When you, when you watch that game today behind the goal, I know you were quite low down, but you you must have been able to see all that movement. And yeah, yeah. if you think back to that second, that, that third goal that Phil Foden scored, I'm watching that, OK, on the side. And as that move, that move started, I didn't know it was going to end in a goal. There's a guy next to me and I'm going, wow. Wow, isn't this brilliant? You know, each pass it was was fought for. Every ball, every pass was made, um, and it was and it started on the left. It went right across the field, which you'd have had a beautiful view of. Over to the right hand side, cross comes in, Foden scores. And when I went that went in, I just thought that is um, a Pep Guardiola, Manchester City, pure football. In the week that we've lost, sadly lost Pele, the beautiful game. At absolute best, is, is that not is that what we all want to see, Amy? I, I like I like the excitement. I like the build up. I like you know, like I I'm worried, and I know I know what I'm like, and I know what you know you know what I'm like when it comes to things. I'm not I'm not I'm not very good at being thing. I'm quite pessimistic, but I don't. I'm worried when we get to, you know, fingers crossed, we get to the Champions League final and stuff. I'm worried that it's all going to go tits up because somebody just basically decides, oh, well, like, it's all right, we've got Ireland on and he's going to score and he doesn't. And everyone's like, everyone's down in the doldrums again, you know, like, I like the excitement and, you know, and I'm sure everybody else does. And like like I just said before, I don't want us to be one eight wonders you know, it's it just we you know you need that fluidity and you need you need the you need the build up. Um, yeah, I, that's you know I I do like Harland. I'm not saying I don't. And you know, and I think he's an amazing player. He really, really is. Um, but it's nice that the other lads got a you know it's probably a bit like like the Ronaldo situation, whereas you know it's Ronaldo. So we've got to we've got to play him and we've got to give him the ball. It could be like that at City now. We've, it's Haaland. He's got to have everything. And Alfie's looking up from, you know, and like looking down and like, why is my son not playing? You know, it could be a bit like that. And 
like I say, it, it was nice to have a build up and it was nice to it was nice to see some goals. It's been a bit boring the last few games. We've just we've just looked fed up. Well, I'd like to say one thing on that, because Amy touched on this and um you said they, they look fresher today. Um and I think Pep needs applauding a little bit because in the last game against Chelsea, he dragged off Walker and Kinsella, which you you probably wouldn't say that would it's ever going to happen, really. And I think it just kind of uh, dropped the gauntlet down as you. I'll drop any of you if you're not performing. And he's brought in the lads in Gomez and Alvarez. And as a player, it, it, you sometimes it it, it kickstarts you into oh, oh my god, hang on a minute. You know he's brought young lads on, which again that's very difficult at Manchester City. And I think it's it's kind of it's kind of brought in that freshness as to look, you need to work for your place here. It's not given just because you've played so many times. So that probably brought in a freshness of it. And I think touching back on what you said about Haaland, um, if Haaland hadn't scored the amount of goals he scored, his touches off the ball are quite poor compared to what Manchester City like to, to play. You know, you've got, you've got the Rodriguez and all them who get a million touches in one game and he'll have four or five and you're like, wow, but he'll score goals. And I think if you take the goals away, I, he, he wouldn't be playing because he's, he, he, he hasn't warranted the number of touches that Manchester City like to, to play with. And um, now you've brought this subject up, it is very interesting. And, and yeah, it's, a, it's an alternative should, should that happen. And I think Pep is, you know, Pep's brave enough. He'll, he'll drop out, he'll drop him if, it, if he needs to. And I think it, it is an option, I think, to, to do that. And as, as, a, as a player, as a defender, I know when I used to watch Manchester City last season, when you haven't got a striker, I tell you what, when there's midfielders running all over the place, it's it's one of the hardest things to go. You pick up, no, you pick him up. I, I don't know, you don't know who to mark. There's people running everywhere. It's, it's, it's a bit of a lottery to play as a back four as to who on earth are you marking. When you do have your one focal point in in the big fella, and look, he's, he's dangerous when he runs over, but you go, I'm going to mark him, put someone in front of him, and it can, can stop it. But his goals ratio is absolutely frightening. And... Um, I, 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 I do think Pep will mess around with the team and, and bring in fresh legs when he needs to. And it has just shown and today in particular. I was surprised with the score. I thought Chelsea, we just just played Manchester City. I thought they'd do a bit more homework and maybe make it harder for City today. But Manchester City, absolutely, this is a city of old, just gone right, get some goals in and it's easy. So um, time will tell as, as the season goes along. But it's very interesting you brought up Harlan. <laughs> Well, quite surprising we're talking about it, but yes, it's it is especially listening to Amy and Tony who are who are there week in week out, and you as well, Ian. Just think, is it, is it better? Very, very interesting, I have to say. And obviously, I, I know you were. I was text texted you. Make sure you look at the third goal. By the way, did you get a chance to watch that third goal? All the build up. All the highlights have cut all the build up off from like, oh, I want to see the build up. So I've not seen all the build. I just saw the end bit of. I mean, seek it out if you can. And, and but the way he opened his body out, I mean, he makes it look easy. That's a very, very difficult skill. It's coming across. I've, as a player, you'd, you'd miss that. He had to open his whole body out, and he, you'd miss that. Anyone watching it, you, you could easily miss the ball altogether. But he's managed to open it and put it into the back of the net. And um, yeah, he, he does make it look easy. As do all players. Good players make the those things look easy. And I will watch it and to see the whole goal in in, in fruition. But it, it, this is something Manchester City do. And and. But, I think Amy touched on this and Tony as well, that they, they look for the perfect goal a lot of the times. Yeah. 
I looked at the stats against Everton and I, I don't know where they were. I can't remember I found 17 shots. It was like two or three on target. It's like, that, that's poor, really. The amount of times they can just, just hit the target. We're always taught us, you, you, you have no chance of scoring if you don't hit the target. Make the keeper work, you know. And for the amount of possession they have and the amount of goals that sometimes when you look at the stats, you think, wow, we've won that 1-0 or it's been one each. It, amount of possession we had it sh- should be hitting the target more and so it's just probably my I, I, haven't, got, I haven't got the credentials to be having a go at pep <laughs> but it's just something you notice on 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 the amount of stats and the amount of the possession that they have you you uh, you gave a bit of credit to pep which obviously i, I adore pep um I, t- I said on the the podcast a, um, a few weeks ago that i bumped into him i've got, I've got to tell you this because it happened to me again this week um i'll go to the press conference and I, I i came down and as i'm walking through the empty press room uh, pep walks straight towards me and uh you can tell when somebody really means something. And he walked over to me, it was just me and him, one-to-one, and he goes, hiya, reached his hand out, happy new year, how's the family? <laughs> you know, oh my God, that made me feel 10 foot tall. And I've, I've always thought that he, as a person, as a human being, it is like, I, I don't know well enough to really say this with complete conviction, but my gut feeling judging him is he is about as good a human being as you're ever going to meet. Um, I asked him about his family and he just turned it back again. And but it was the, it was the eyes. It was the face. He's just a he's a fantastic fella. So I thought I'd just share that with you. But you were pra- praising uh, Pep before, Jim. And I, here's another little thing I'd praise him for. When Calvin Phillips came back from the World Cup, and this is very unusual for Pep because he very rarely says anything negative. He actually said Calvin Phillips came back overweight and out of condition. And now suddenly he's saying Calvin Phillips is right now and he's back. And, and I'm thinking, is this clever? You know, is this all psychology? Because it seems to be working. Yeah, he's excellent at it. And he's, you, can only, you can only do this if you've got results behind you as well, you know. And it, he's a great motivator. I think he, you can go into any job place right now and motivate the, the workplace. He's, he's, he's that good. Also, like you just said then, he said something to you and he made you feel good. I, I had a very similar thing with, with Joe Royal where he'd, he'd make you feel so good. You know, there's times he used to come and say to me, go man mark in and I go mark mark a player. And I've hardly had a touch all game, but I've done my job. And he's come off and he'll put an arm around me and he'll say, you won the game for me. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I've not scored, I've not done it. But I'd, I'd leave the dressing room thinking, oh my God, I did a job for him. And I've just walked out feeling a million dollars. And he had a knack of that. And Pep, just the arm round, just a little thing, is he it's 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 a great skill. And and because he has the results and because of what I've seen in the press and, and whatever these, the players have said, when he says something's gonna happen. A lot of the time it happens. And this is just part and parcel of, 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 of what happens with Pep. And he's just, he's a genius at that. And it, not every manager can have it. He has that little something that he can do with the players to cheer them up. And he's got it with abundance. Now, I could turn this conversation, in fact, I am going to turn this conversation slightly around now because the next league game that City play will be against United. Now, uh, uh, I think the game at Southampton on Wednesday um, will be very, very different, obviously. I mean, Southampton um, should be <laughs> beatable, down, even though down it's down at St Mary's. 
Um, you would look, although they came back from behind yesterday in the FA Cup, but you would think Southampton, who are bottom of the league, trying to stay in the league, really want to be putting every sinew into that game against City and face a two-leg semi-final in the, in the uh, League Cup. Um, I don't think they will. And I think City will send a very strong team down inevitably. It's always strong and go and win at Southampton. So the next big challenge for City is against United. I can't predict, but maybe you can, what team Pep will pick on Wednesday. But I'd just be interested to know, particularly after the conversation we've just had, what team you would pick for Old Trafford. Now... Uh, you haven't had a chance to prepare for this or think about it, and I'm not expecting you to go one to eleven and you know and 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 then stick rigidly to it and argue every player. But what what do you think, Amy? Come on, ladies first. What what what, what are you going for? Put you on the spot. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's going to be tough, me. I really do. United are on form at the moment, and I just you know I hate derbies. I hate them with a passion. Um, they make me feel sick. I'm just glad it's oh, I'm just glad it's early. I'm just glad it's an early kickoff. I ain't got time to like sweat and like like cry. <laughs> um, but I'd be happy with the team that played today, me. I I think that you know I think that'd be good. Um, I I'm hoping. Well, hopefully, I don't know if Ruben Diaz is like fine. I think I'd stick him on. I'd stick him on with a broken leg, me. I'd just have him on. Um, John Stones, I think he should be playing. Bernardo. Not two Deppin. changes. You just met, you said yeah. you wanted the same team. Well, you no, just made I, two I, changes. I tweaked slightly. I tweaked slightly, but I definitely, I definitely have have Bernardo on because I just think Bernardo absolutely hates United. So I think I just you know he's got to be on. Um, but yeah, no, I'd stick with the team that we've got, just maybe a slight. So, how long to be on the bench? I'd bring him on in the last the last 20 minutes to score a to score a, a banger. <laughs> controversial, Tony. Are you going to be as controversial as Amy? Oh, I don't think I can be, no, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think um, Ake for me has been one of the most improved center, center halves that I've seen. Um, over the last season or so, because to me, he was always a little bit of a weak link, but I think he's been absolutely excellent. So I think he will be back in the side and I expect John Stones to come in. The difference where that he plays, and I think he probably will go with Cal Walker at full back, at right back. Um, and I would actually play Gomez at left back because I think he just gives us something different because um, then you can play Cancelo or somebody ahead of him. So you've got that option then as well, you know, that, you, that, that that keeps that fluidity with obviously the same-sided players. I think, to be honest, the midfield and the forwards, we've got a number of players there that, that to me, the defence has always been the tricky ones. I think the midfield and the forwards, there's a number of players that can rotate in there anyway, to be honest. Um, obviously, you, you know, you'd expect KDB to come in there. Um, I think he'll actually probably will play uh, Grealish although I think he's a little bit hit and miss with Greenish, but I think Greenish will play uh, at Old Trafford. Um, up front, he's gonna, he will play Haaland. I think there's no doubt about that. He will play Haaland. And I think that puts the fear of God in some players. Um, and then, obviously, he can change it change it from there. Rodri's probably got a start in there, um, but I think closely behind him, I think uh, Phillips will come on maybe for the last 15, 20 minutes or something. I think he's gradually building Phillips up that, that can actually give Rodri a little bit of a break. I think. 
not so much today, but the last couple of games, I've seen Rodri kind of get a bit frustrated at times. Uh, he was a bit lucky today, actually, because he got booked and he went to just nearly, he went to nearly kick out again and he pulled his foot back. And that would have been a really stupid sort of yellow card and would have been a, a you know, a, a second yellow and a red sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that's the, the defence is the, the most important thing for me, uh, how we look. Um, and I think with them players there, I've noticed that we look a lot more solid. You've then still got Laporte and Diaz, assuming he's, assuming he's fit to uh, to be on the bench and to come in. Um, Rico, I mean, Ian knows how much I've, I've spoke about Rico before. I, I think he've, I heard today, uh, Ian, that he was actually uh, mentioned in the same breath as uh, Philip Lam, uh, which was a really big surprise for me. But I can see that he can play in a midfield position, but also revert to... Um, you know, a defensive position as well. So, you know, that's that's another plus. But again, I don't think he'll start with somebody like Rico. I think he'll revert back to uh, Cal Walker at fullback. This would be an interesting one to get uh, your view on, Jim, because you're a player, or former player, and, and I've never played. We haven't played, so we don't know what it's like in the dressing room. We don't know how the psychology is. So we've talked already about Pep and how he can make you feel 10 feet tall, and you used Joe Royal as the example. Pep picked out um, Phil Foden very early on, and I don't think he gave him the name Stockport Iniesta, but he certainly compared him to Iniesta and said he was such a young talent. And I don't know whether that helped Phil or it didn't help him. Now he's talking about Rico Lewis as being, as you quite rightly say, Tony, as him remembering what Philip Lahm did when he was at uh, Bayern Munich, which presumably is indicating it, you know, he can play at fullback or he's a footballer who can play at fullback and then tucks into midfield. Is it is it a good thing if that was you uh, and the manager said to you, you're the new Philip Lahm or you're the new Iniesta or whatever, is that a good thing and it makes you feel 10 times, you know, or does it put pressure on you? Which way does that work? How would that have worked for you? Uh, it, look, as a, as a footballer, I'd be on cloud nine for starters, but I, I'm at Manchester City right now, there's a lot of very, very good players. The... the the hardest thing for any manager or for any player is when you when you put into the first team. There's a lot of a lot of players complain that we'll be able to get into that first team. But what can you when can you handle yourself in the first team? Is, is the hardest thing. You can have some of the greatest players that you see are under eighteen. You get into the first team. It's a different kettle of fish together. Fans shouting. Some players die. They just can't just can't handle it, and they go they go down the pecking order and fizzle out. As a, as a player now, he's he's talking about him as the next Lam. This, again, can go either way. He'll either thrive on this, which will catapult him into the next level and keep his hunger going. Or, again, this is, this is uh, things that are thrown at you as a player. Does he then lay back and think, wow, I'm the next big thing, start reading about himself and, and various articles, think, yeah, I'm great. I, and that also is, is a really negative thing and you come out... It's just the things you have to deal with as a footballer. Now, he is a fantastic talent, I think, uh, to be playing at that Manchester City squad right now and playing as that inverted kind of fullback is, is quite incredible. It really is. Part of me was thinking, why don't you just play a midfielder in there? He plays the midfield for so long. I was thinking, just, just play a midfielder in there. But he's done a fantastic job. And I'm and, and looking at what the, the guys have said, Amy and Tony, about, about the United game. 
I think Edison's probably the only shoe in that everyone else is a lottery for me. I don't know how you can pick. I think I think I was going to chuck in Rodri as well, actually, but um, as a, as a definite. But I think with 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 Pep, you know how he studies teams, and United are on the up at the moment. You know he's going to study him and do something that you go, why is he? Why has he done that? Because he'll see weakness somewhere in the United team and he'll put something totally different spin on it and you'll go, oh, what's happening here? And this is just Pep, the Pep way, but, you know, he, he, he analyses football more than anyone else does uh, and this is why he's been at the top of the game for so long and, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But for the young lad, unbelievable. Last week on the Pep podcast, I know it was a different cast last week, but we were talking about the effect of the inverted wingers because Grealish and Mahrez were playing on the, the opposite flanks to where their natural wide foot is and saying, suggesting that maybe that's what had gone wrong, partly anyway, against Everton. Um, obviously, we talked about Haaland and you know his availability. I would suggest today, and I did before, that Mahrez even though he played on the right where he always played, had a lot more flexibility today because of the new system, as it were. Um, I just wonder, Jim, from your point of view, I mean, when City didn't and clubs didn't play as much with inverted wingers back in the day, did they? You know, I mean, depending on which area you look at, you know, you'd have Peter Barnes left-footed out on the left and, you know, maybe Dennis Stewart or Simo would up. Paul Simpson would always play on the left. Um, how do you, how, I just wonder what your thoughts are on inverted wingers with or without Harlan in the team. I, I just think it, it, it's, it's up to the individual. I, I just I don't think I can ever see Maris playing on the left wing, going down the line and cutting it in. He's, he hasn't got the, I don't think he's really got the pace for it. But on that, on that side where he cuts in, he does some of the most simplest of skills in, in the old school dummy and cutting back in and it, it, it bamboozles players because when you come onto your strongest foot, be it Mares on his on his left foot or Grealish cutting on his right foot, the first thing you want to stop is that shot. So you, you initially go to block that and which then sets up the dummy to cut inside. So it becomes quite, you'd think it's predictable, but it, but it's not. And when you try and send someone like Mares down the line onto his weaker foot, he then he's a quickly accelerates and dummies back or, or, or cuts in. It's, he's he's, he's a quite a little master on doing that. And I just think individuals, the individuals that they have at the moment, you know, when you, you look back at, um, at Sané, he played Sané as a left wing because he's naturally good at going down the wing and doing it. So I think it's just the, the players he's got, I, I don't think he'd be scared in playing a left wing and, a left-footed play on, on, on the left-hand side to go down the outside. I just think the players he's got at the moment, this is what they do best. And he's he's going with it and trying to play with it and, and changing uh, various things in, in bringing them in, making fullbacks go around the outside and various things like that. So he, he's just, he's going with what the, the players he's got. And as it happens, the players that we've got right now like to come in onto their stronger foot. On the time we've got left now, I do want to concentrate on the derby again. And I just wonder what the derby means to you, Jim. Well, I've, I've, I've spoke about this before. I, um, I, as a youngster, I remember, which used to be the, the A and B team. So when I, when I was 16, 17, you had, a, you had a B team, which was initially the, the kind of 16, 17 years that were playing. Then you had a, an, an A team, which was a, an over an overage team, but it was mainly the 18-year-olds that played. And then you had the reserves, and then you had the first team. Now, I used to play for the B team, and we used to play at Platt Lane, as you guys would know. And 
you, you get people watching on the on the sidelines. But when you played United in, as a B team or A team, I, I'm not kidding you. The car park's full. There's fans all around the fencing. All the top brass come in. You know, at the time it was like the Peter Reeds. You never see the, the manager there, the first team manager. They'd all turn up. Everyone was in the dressing room. You, it, it just became what the hell's this game? This was it. Just changed from your weekly game into everyone turning up saying you have to win this. So it was it was it was built into you really early on that this is just not a normal game. So when you went out there, you had to give blood for, to win that game, and it was just brought on so early that the derby is just not another game. Derbies were huge. My only concern is when foreign players come in, they don't they may not know how important it is to the fans because fans, it's a bragging rights when you go out, they're just beating your rivals. And um, so if, for me, Derby's a huge, I've always have been, you, you'll do whatever it takes to win. Um, and it, it's something everyone looks through at the calendar. I'm looking forward to it. It's a little bit touchy because United are on the up, but let's, let's, let's hope we can tear them to pieces like we have done in the previous seasons. I was walking around the ground today, as is my want before the match, looking for interesting people that I might bump into. And today I bumped into David Makin, who is the business partner of John Wardle. Um, and David was the sort of humble, I don't want to be in the boardroom or in the fancy seats partner in the JD, the John David, um, that, 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 that company that became very successful and without I personally believe that without John Wardle and David Makin, actually, Manchester City wouldn't be where they are today because they kept they were paying the wages, they were keeping that club going before in came tax in Shinawatra and then eventually the Sheikh and we know where the club is now. And it's funny because when he wouldn't go on camera today, he's a very shy man, David, but he's a lovely man. And uh, and he said to me, uh, I start. This is his words. I start every season. And the main objective for me is, yes, I want to win the league. Yes, I want to win all the domestic. Of course, of course I do. But the main, main objective for me is to finish above Manchester United in the table. He says, because I will never forget what it was like when we were down there and they ripped into us. And he said, even if we finish above United, it isn't so that I can then rip into United fans or have a go I just keep quiet and keep my counsel but I want to be in that position where they can't have a go at me and where we're the top dogs in Manchester and from the way you were just talking Jim it sounds like that that's in your DNA as well oh, yeah, absolutely it's just what it, it's how it is you don't want to walk around and and you know I forgot about that because yes United were always on top always on top, like not just a bit, we, you know, when I played, we'd, we'd gone out between two, you know, United was so, so good. So to, 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 to beat them now and the position we're in now is, and yeah, I quite like that. Don't say anything. It's, it, the table speaks for itself. And it is, yeah, it's ingrained. I, I, it's, it's something you have to, uh, if, if I can get to the game, I will do. If I have to watch it remotely from wherever I am in the country, I am more agitated uh, <laughs> in a derby than than any other game. I'm shouting, swearing, uh, you, you name it. But it's just something that's always in more than any other game. I think Amy and they're nodding, Tony as well. I think they, they know exactly that feeling. Well, Amy, you've already expressed it, haven't you? It's cold sweats and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but 
like sick really really like nauseousness it's awful i i ate it it's the not fact that, that in recent years we've got some good results at Old Trafford. It, because it doesn't matter. I think it's still that little girl in the night is he's still like he's still there, like you know, like crying in a corner. Um, <laughs> it's like it's it's. Um, I've said before, I and my brother's a United fan, and like obviously we used to go to the pub together um, to watch the derbies, and he'd stand at one end of the bar, and I'd stand at the other end of the bar. And then, like, whatever the result, so say City had won, I'd be like that, like that down the bar, and they'd be like that. And he wouldn't speak for a week. Um, whereas me, I take it on the chin, but I suppose it's because I'm used to it. I just take it on the chin and just go, all right, okay. Whereas my brother, he's he hates it. He, he proper goes in a sulk. He, he proper spits his dummy out. Um but like it's it's quite funny having you know being on that other side now being being high up is uh it's uh, it is a nice feeling but yeah I still get that I still get that sicky feeling I still it's not that I hate the match I just hate the it's just a nervous thing and until we've got a few goals in then I settle down then I'm all right then saw so Martin Ogden today because I was in the, the, the press areas because on uh, FA Cup and Champions League days, I worked for Indian television. So I was in the, the sort of press areas today. Martin Ogden is a, a guy who's been in that press room for years and years and years. He's worked for different organisations. Oggy, we call him. He's a big red. And I passed him on the, the steps and I said, uh, what's it like being the underdog these days? And he immediately snapped back and he said, we're only four points behind you. We beat you in the derby. So that rivalry, that intense rivalry will never go away. And they will fancy themselves in the Manchester derby uh, next week. And I can understand it. They're at home. They'll be hurting from the, the game that happened at the Etihad. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, Tony, what, what you, without giving too much away, because I don't want to, you know, but you live in the middle halfway, don't you, between... Um, um I, I just just going back to what Jim was saying, I've, I've played semi-pro football and I've played in games where they mean slightly more than other games do. And I also understand the pressure that you feel as a player. So I can only imagine that that's multiplied so many times more when obviously you're playing at that kind of level. But still, you have that feeling as a player that, that, you, that, that there's something extra has got to come out or something that should be given. But it also, in that sense as well, you can also lose it a little bit. So I think this is where, from Pep's point of view, I think he does play it down. I think he plays the fact that it's a that it's a derby and that it's another game. But obviously inside, he'll be telling the players certain things. But I think he has to look after certain players. And I think Haaland is probably going to be one of those players where he probably has to talk to him a little bit more. Because if I was a United centre-half, Martinez or whatever it was, he'd be the first person I would go through. Because I know I know what the kind of reaction I'm going to get. Going to a fan point of view, I've obviously I've supported City since seventies, so I've seen us in the seventies, the eighties, and the nineties. So I've witnessed that we've always been sort of underdogs, and and now we've, we're turning that around. But this is probably the closest in the last probably five to ten years that that United look like they're they're starting to climb a little bit. They're starting to get a little bit more of a settled team, uh, and they look a lot more organised. That that. And, and, and conveniently, they forget about what's going on behind the scenes and they're concentrating more on, on the on the actual playing time. Um, so I think it'll be a tough game. But I think, to be honest, we've got more than enough 
to to get through that game, to be honest. I don't think they're there yet. And I think, you know, the diehard United fan realised that we are still that little bit uh, sort of head and shoulders above them. But you never could tell in a derby game because everything goes out the window, to be honest. So if I was, we'll finish you off now by just getting your thoughts on the derby more specifically, but I'm not after scoreline because I'll be honest with you, wherever I appear, whether it be with Rodney Marsh in America on Sirius or whether it's on Indian television or whether it's just on a, a podcast, if somebody says to me, what's the score going to be? I never give them a score. There's so many imponderables and so many things can happen. And anyway, if I knew what the score was, would be, I'd have one bet and then retire, right? You can't do it. You can't do it. But you can have an instinct. You can have a feel. It can be in your gut as to what you think is going to happen. So what do you think is going to happen, Amy, in the Manchester Derby at Old Trafford next weekend? Uh, I That's think... insightful straight away, yeah. the fact that you've no, gone... Uh... No, um... <laughs> I do think we're going to win, but I also think United are going to score a few goals. And that's all I'm going to say on it. High scoring City win. All right, go on, Tony. Um, I think defensively, we've improved so much over the last six months or so now. So I don't expect that to change. So I don't expect us to concede. So you're going exactly the opposite of Amy, but but a win. Yes. (laughs) And now the man who should know, because he's played the game, no pressure, Jim. (laughs) What's going to happen in the Manchester derby? Well, one thing I think I agree with Tony, the the Everton game was the first time I'd seen City kind of losing their heads a little. And and I think you're right, Harlan, yeah, you could rile him. Um, However, we're we're talking about Manchester City. They've been at the top of the game for the last how many years? We're talking about United have got a little tiny resurgence. They've they've done well recently, but I just, I think City had, had, had... too strong from, and he might bring him back down to earth. Uh, um, and, and so I'm, I'm still going to go with this uh, convincing City win. They keep the ball too long. It's just something that Pep does. Keep the ball, openings will happen. And, and yes, United have been decent, but I, I, I still think City are too strong for him, massively too strong for him. And, and, and I'm going for a, a City win. So I just agree with Jim because he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Don't blame the messenger if anything happens. <laughs> hey, even, even when we was win, winning six, they still come back with one. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the, the 6-3 last, you know, the one at yeah. the Etihad. I mean, blimey, that was gone after 4-0, wasn't it? And yeah. and suddenly it's, you know, anyway, it's a Manchester derby next week. I'll be at Old Trafford doing my you know, usual stuff. Thanks very much to Howard Solicitors. Remember, they've got offices in Greater Manchester and Cheshire. They specialise in areas of the law that affect the individual. So if you want to speak to somebody, you have a problem. You don't have to live in the Manchester area, by the way, or Cheshire or anywhere like that, because they are, the people I deal with anyway, are city fans. So you say... Heard about you on Forever Blue, you know, that Ian Cheeseman. Can I get some advice off you? I'm sure they'll do that. Uh, law at howardsolicitors.com or give them a call on 0161 872 9999. Uh, Amy and Tony, thank you very much, as always, for your contributions. To my hero, Jim Whitley, the multi-talented Jim Whitley, who is speaking to me when he should really be relaxing, no doubt, with his family. But I really, really appreciate your time, Jim. You are a superstar in my eyes. And always will be. So thanks for your time. And, Thank uh, you. As I always say um, in these things, and I'm not going to say anything different tonight, 
Um, if you only remember one thing from this podcast, it's not that Jim was on or Amy was on or Tony was on. Or Ian was talking rubbish like he normally does. Just remember this. It's great to be a blue. Thank you.